Hi, welcome to Lambert Park Church. Our vision is life with God for the world. Our mission is to invite everyone to follow Jesus with us through redemptive community, intentional discipleship, and everyday mission. We're so glad you're here. Stay tuned for the podcast coming right up. Jesus, we just give you our brother. We thank you for Mark and who he is and how, who you are toward him for the ways that you love him, the ways that you are kind and merciful to him as you are toward us. Thank you for the things that you have taught him over the years and in recent weeks as he's been invited to speak this morning as a part of our fall Life with God for the World study. Lord, we ask that you would fill him and lead him in love and faith and hope in this moment. And Lord, we ask that you would open us up to hear your voice, what you want to say to us through your word and through your Son today. Amen? Bring it. Amen. Good morning. Nice. You're awake. Uh, my name is Mark DeLeo. I had the pleasure of speaking about self-control this summer as part of our Fruitable series. And I'm back this morning to continue our Life with God for the World series speaking about community. I had the thought this week that the church community is like a stack of pancakes. On our own, we're all pretty flat. But when you stack us up, in relationship and smother us in whatever those delicious toppings are, we add a lot of flavor and goodness to the world. So our task this morning is to figure out what those delicious toppings are that the Spirit wants to smother his church with so we can bear witness to the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. All right. I didn't have that for breakfast, but that would have been good. Um, So did anyone realize that we had a municipal election this month? You may have noticed a few candidate signs along the roadways. Anyone? Yeah, a few of you, good. Um, I was reading through the candidate profiles in the Saanich News, and um, I was trying to determine who to vote for, and noticed that the candidates kept using this word community. It just kept popping out at me. Um, To illustrate this vision of not just bringing people together, but that through these connections, life can be improved for everyone. Here are some quotes from the candidates from the newspaper. When we create places and spaces that foster engagement, we create a healthy community. Council must work with residents to build an inclusive, sustainable community. When we work together, we generate conditions where we can improve the lives of all our residents. A couple more. We cannot solve the challenges we are facing when we are divided. By bringing people together and taking the time to listen, we can find solutions that make life better for everyone. We must work together with empathy. The most important thing council can do is listen. Uh, And one candidate added, it would serve us well to have a less contentious, less divisive council that listens and respects all voices. Obviously, there's a little history there. 
So we have this secular conviction that community makes life better for all. And honestly, I was a bit surprised by that. Do these candidates actually have a deep down desire to work with others to make life better for everyone? Are they that altruistic? If I'm a bit cynical about their sincerity, perhaps it's because I think the average voter is thinking more along the lines of, you need to work together to make life better for me. That seems to match up better with our culture of individualism and our every man for himself creed, which it seems to me is also what political campaigns and signage are all about, isn't it? Regardless, I, I thought I'd take a moment to summarize these candidates' thoughts about the importance of community, and, and here's what I put together. A healthy, inclusive community requires various groups engaging and working together toward a better life for everyone. The creation of community requires the work of listening, respect, and empathy to pursue agreement and unity. That sounds good. I mean, it's a bit utopian, but listening, empathizing, and respect are good things. As is working together toward the shared goal of improving life for all. There, there's so much goodness here. But if you want to build a great community, I'm not convinced it's enough. It's easy to be respectful and empathic and a good listener until you discover you don't really like what the other person is saying, or, or frankly, that you really just don't like the other person. Some of this comes down to a difference in what we think versus how we live. We'll get to see how these politicians live up to their ideals in the years to come. We'll get to see if their walk matches their talk, because there's a difference between how we think and how we live, isn't there? The same is true in the church. Uh, many of us have our theology down pat. We believe the right things, we say the right things, but do we live the right things? Specifically regarding community? How is the church meant to live out community? I, I like the beginning of this definition of community, so I kept it. I, I actually think there's a lot of really biblical uh, ideas in there, uh, but I made the end part a fill-in-the-blank. The church is a healthy, inclusive community of various groups who are engaged and working together in the shared goal of making life better for everyone. I like that. Uh, the creation of community requires the work of... And how do we fill in this blank? Through listening, respect, and empathy to pursue agreement and unity? There's goodness there, but as, a, as the community of Christ, do we have the same approach as our city council? What is it that makes a church a community? And more than that, a family. The, the family of God. What is it that we need to live out? Both of my parents were born in the Netherlands, 
and spent their first years there before emigrating to Canada with their families. About 10 years ago, our family went back to Holland for a tour through their childhood memories. Oh, I get that scratch every time. Um, I enjoy planning trips, and I was able to find uh, an old school in Rotterdam that had been converted into a vacation rental. It was a cool place, it had tons of character, and, and through the booking process and during our stay there, I got to know the manager. As our family was checking out on our final day, we're loading our vehicles, uh, loading our bags into the vehicles and saying goodbye to each other, I, I noticed the manager was loitering nearby, watching us curiously. So I went over to him to thank him for his hospitality, and in his uh, beautiful Dutch accent, uh, he responded, you guys like each other, hey? I said, yeah, we're, we're a family, we like each other. No, he replied, I have a lot of families that stay here, but you guys are different. You're, you're not just family, you really like each other. Yeah, my family is blessed in, in that we all know and love Jesus, and I think that's what he was seeing. It wasn't just a familial bond, He'd seen lots of those, but a bond that was deeper than that, an expression of deeper fondness, deeper acceptance, oh, thank you, deeper community. I think he saw a visible, tangible reality of what it's like to be united in Christ, just like that. Thank you, Simon. Uh, I wonder if that's what Jesus was all about when he was praying in John 17. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn to John 17. Um, this, is, this is beautiful. Like, uh, this is Jesus praying for us. Mind-blowing, beautiful. Um, verse 20. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. I love this next line. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Amen? That is incredible. The church is meant to be a community of unity, a community that knows it is loved by the creator of the world in a tangible and visible way. And more than a community, a family with the creator of the world as their dad. This is what Jesus prayed for us. Has this prayer been realized? Are we the tasty expression of the kingdom of God that he wants us to be? When our daughter Raya was born six years ago, I took a parental leave and our family flew to Australia for a holiday. We drove north from Sydney to a paradise called Nelson Bay. And on Sunday morning, we took a break from the beaches and kangaroos to attend a little Anglican church called All Saints. We were warmly greeted by many people 
We sang songs of praise to God together. We listened to a message about how much Jesus loves us, and we were invited to return for a Shrove Tuesday dinner a couple days later. It was all lovely and refreshing and inspiring. But to top it off, a retired couple invited us for an Aussie Barbie at the end of the week. Can you imagine inviting an international family of six, including a newborn, over for a dinner after meeting them at church for eight minutes? Probably many of you can. So I need to point out to you that's really unusual. It's not normal to invite strangers over. They didn't ask us for identification. They didn't ask if we'd been baptized. They didn't even pull a criminal record check on us. They greeted us as brothers and sisters and treated us as such. We enjoyed an incredible evening together with a swim in the ocean, fun stories, good food, and a tangible sense of being part of the same family, God's family. We couldn't repay them, nor did they want it. They treated us with gracious hospitality without any expectation of receiving anything from us in return. And a month or so later, we had a similar experience at a Baptist church in a different part of Australia. We were befriended, fed, encouraged, delighted in, prayed for, and blessed. I don't want you to think you have to travel to Australia to encounter the family of God. I highly recommend it, but it isn't necessary. I met my wife through the church here in Canada. I've met most of my friends through the church, many of them here at Lambrick. I've been profoundly shaped by what I've learned at church. I've been challenged to become more than who I am through the church. Through the body of Christ, I've met amazing people, people who I want to be like, people who inspire me and amaze me and humble me. I've grown up in the church, and I remember singing as a kid, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. And perhaps for some, it's easy to take this family for granted, to no longer be amazed by these visible, tangible, international, relational ties. But not for me. I feel too indebted. I feel too grateful. I feel too loved. There's a musical, a musical artist named Elbow. It's a bit of a strange name, but the music and the lyrics make up for it. He's got this love song which builds up to this refrain of him singing, Look who loves me. Look who loves me. It's the celebration of being loved, not just by anyone, but of celebrating with disbelief the people who love him. That's the church. I feel that about God and about some of you. When I'm with people who love Jesus and are striving to follow him, there's often this ability to jump past small talk, to connect meaningfully, to experience hospitality and prayer in significant ways, and to feel that you've been connected for far longer than the actual time that has passed. 
I read a stat the other day that almost 50% of Americans have not made a new friend in the last five years. We're, we're living in a world that's increasingly isolated and lonely. And the church, as a worldwide community of unity, and as the family of God, stands in stark opposition to that. So, turn to Philippians 2, right at the beginning. So when Paul asks at the beginning of Philippians 2, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ, any comfort from his love, any fellowship together in the spirit? I'm like, heck yeah, so much, more than I deserve. Look who loves me. But there are times, probably like you, when I don't feel like this, when I forget it, when I feel like I'm a stranger overlooked and unwanted and unloved. Maybe some of you are feeling that way this morning. When I'm dragged down in sin. So Paul does this check-in. Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. I mean, some of that sounds like the direction of our city council, doesn't it? Working together in agreement And these things are work, aren't they? Paul continues in verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. So certainly there's respect and empathy and listening, but it goes beyond that. It goes way beyond that. And this is where we do the deep dive. It's here that we arrive at the answer to our fill-in-the-blank. The creation of community requires the work of. Here's what Paul says, continuing in Philippians. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to be grasped, as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor, And gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you know when the church doesn't go well? When we come in thinking, I deserve Chances are you don't even realize the expectations you come in here with on a Sunday morning. Perhaps you feel, I deserve the music I like. I deserve a sermon I like. I deserve the seat I like. Perhaps you come in thinking, I deserve having others welcome me and making me feel comfortable. Perhaps you come in thinking, I deserve to feel good, to have a spiritual moment 
on my own. And that last part might be the worst. It, when you aren't thinking of others at all because you're trying to pursue God on your own, that doesn't work. We can only lay down our lives in community. Church doesn't go well when we're focused on ourselves. And in fact, life doesn't go well when we're focused on ourselves. This is something I'm working on. I have days when I just don't like me. I don't like how I kind of feel miserable. And then I get cranky, and I'm cranky with others, and I don't like being cranky with others, which means I like myself even less. And then I realize I'm focusing all on me in a really negative way. And that's when I need the church to remind me that I'm loved by God, that I'm a better person when I make my relationships about others, when I make my life about relationships with others, instead of making life about me. When we change I deserve to I can serve, following Christ's example of humility, that's when we discover the richness of the kingdom. Jesus tells us that when we lose our lives, we will find them. That he has come to bring life in abundance, life in all of its fullness when we love others as ourselves. This summer I quoted Mr. Rogers and he's got so many good things that he said. So I thought I'd paraphrase, uh, I'd reference his paraphrase of this idea. This is what he says. The more you grow into a helpful person yourself, the happier you'll find this world of ours is. Our family had this written on our wall at home because we want our kids to think about it and to be challenged by it. In some ways, it's a counterintuitive message, especially in a culture that normalizes pursuing your own happiness regardless of the cost. But our culture is dying. The church, when it follows Jesus, is not. When we make life about relationships and loving our neighbors as ourselves, God changes us in the process and the body of Christ thrives. So, what does the Bible teach us about how the church ought to express the love of Christ to each other? Well, to be honest, that's kind of what the whole Bible is about. It's too much to go through right now. Certainly the church is about coming together like we are this morning. It's about listening and caring. It's about friendship and fellowship. It's certainly meant to be a lot more than being in a crowd. It's certainly meant to be a lot more than a well-functioning city council. The body of Christ is meant to be a whole new society exhibiting what community can look like under the Lordship of Christ. That's what Tim Keller says. A society that people look at from the outside and say, you guys really like each other, don't you? A society that confounds the outsider because it doesn't make sense. You go to church? Why? What do you have in common with those people? Well, nothing really, but we're family. We love each other. And it draws people in because of this. We're called to be an exceptional community, holy, distinct, and different. A royal priesthood that mediates on behalf of the world and brings the needs of the people to God. 
and then brings the people themselves to God. But we can't just talk about being like Jesus. We have to live it. And that requires work and humility and self-giving. When we were invited to that Aussie Barbie, that simple invitation resulted in planning a menu, cleaning the house, grocery shopping, thinking through the details of the night, what a baby might need, meal preparation, welcoming, hosting, conversation, making us feel at ease, finishing the evening well, and then all the cleanup. Now, hospitality is just one part of being the church, but it's a big part. In Romans 12, Paul simply encourages us, practice hospitality. (laughs) Sometimes I think, as a single man, maybe he didn't fully appreciate all of the complexities of it, you know? Uh, The author of Hebrews repeats that instruction, practice hospitality. And so does John, practice hospitality. When Peter comes to this, as a married man, I think maybe he gets a little bit more of the complexity. He says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This is work. It's going to feel like work, but do it. Being a part of God's family is a gift, but it doesn't happen by magic. Community requires commitment. It takes effort. It means introducing yourself to others, being friendly, initiating conversation, remembering names, acknowledging people, admitting you've forgotten their name, but you're still interested in them, staying after the service to talk with people, finding common ground, volunteering, getting involved, financially supporting, inviting people over, accepting the invitation, and then being a good guest. Food preparation, house cleaning, grocery shopping, making meals, dropping them off. And of course, it all starts with just showing up. Not occasionally, regularly, consistently. All of this and more is required and needs to be tempered with a realistic expectation of what you might receive in return. In fact, you may not receive anything from others. I know that's disappointed some people and they've left angry. But you'll receive everything you need from God. God will fill you with the fruit of his spirit, as we talked about all summer long. God will change you to become more like Jesus. In Philippians 2, Paul writes, Jesus died a criminal's death and God elevated him to the place of highest honor. The same is true for us. I'm almost done. God's spirit in you will help you change. To not be stuck as who you are, but to become who he made you to be. And with that in mind, being a part of the church also means that we're working on ourselves. Not expecting everyone else to change for us, but looking within Paul's letters are full of exhortations in this direction, right? Here's one. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Making allowance. I love that language. There's a connotation of work in making allowance. Twice this week, I've seen road rage at the slightest provocations. People screaming their heads off at each other. And I'm reminded about how little cushion people have in their lives. 
We need to make allowance on the road and certainly in parking lots, but in our marriages, in our relationships, in the church, are we making allowance? If that sounds like work, it's because it is. Then later in the same chapter in Ephesians, Paul says, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. This is work, and it's not easy. But being a part of Christian community means we do this work together. And that we look to God for our sense of worth along the way. In Romans 12, Paul speaks about how we need to be transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we're not like the world around us. We can't just want to be better listeners, more empathic, or more respectful. It, this, I'm not talking about a slight tweak of who we are. I'm talking about death to self. Finding life as we lay ours down. Galatians 2.20, I myself no longer lives, but Christ lives in me. Depth of community is found by picking up our crosses and following Christ and serving one another. Just as Christ is the visible expression of the invisible God, the church is meant to be a visible expression of God's kingdom. It's through how the church relates when we come together, married and single of all ages and ethnicities and vocations. In this, we reveal the goodness of God. When we serve one another, support one another, forgive one another, encourage one another, honor one another, provide hospitality, love each other, admonish each other. When we embrace each other as the community that God has given to us, as a community that we have been given to, we are this visible expression and we bring glory to God. This is what it means to be part of God's family. And as such, we can act as priests to our neighbors and seek the peace of the city. This takes time to figure out. We're all on a journey. Let's be on it together. There is so much goodness in our midst. God has not abandoned us. He is here. His spirit is filling us. We can lean into God as he is changing us, forming us, and uniting us. We are his body. So let's live like it, following Christ's example of humility. Instead of I deserve, let's change our hearts to I can serve. This is the path to finding life in community and being made in the image of Christ. We come to know God in community. We come to know each other in community. We come to know ourselves in community. We come to know we are forgiven. We come to know we are loved. This is the body of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I am humbled and awed this morning at your goodness and your love for us. For us together. That your son prayed that we would be united in your love, united as one, united in mind and purpose, united to be a blessing to the world.
to reveal the goodness of your kingdom to those around us by thinking differently and living differently, by pouring out our lives for each other through hospitality and kindness and forgiveness and making allowance. Lord, we want to be your people in a way that puts a smile on your face every day. In Jesus' name, amen.